Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Readers of Broadcast Dialogue may know Eric Blay, the director of client success at audience measurement startup Stats Radio, as one of our regular contributors behind the Rethinking Media column, which applies design thinking to media. Eric's columns largely explore overcoming barriers to change, and with the extraordinary transition most companies have undertaken in the past six weeks, I invited him to come on the podcast to talk about how business can strategically plan for the future when there are so many uncertain variables. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, Eric offers tips on how to think like a futurist and opportunity for reset. So we're going to talk quite a bit about strategic foresight, but I want to start by talking about your last column for us, because for those who read it, back in February, you wrote about fear as the enemy of innovation and change, and now here we are. I know, it's pretty crazy, eh? Who would have thought that that particular article would have been so prescient? How all this came about was um, I've got a lifelong fascination with the diffusion of innovation or idea or how ideas propagate. I looked at it from a marketing angle and then I looked at it from a politics angle, but I always felt that there was something missing. And it's not um, until I met with a therapist who specializes in transitions and uh, basically hooked me up with the works of William Bridges that all of a sudden I started looking at it, not purely from a pure psychological one, but on an emotional one. What happens to the body when it's subjected to change? And I think this, we are all living a big global transition right now where we were all asked to um, self-isolate or to stay indoors and the impact that has to us both emotionally and as a result, psychologically. So in terms of managing that, I want you to touch on transition because we are actually in a very early stage of all of this. Happy to. So in William Bridges' work, uh, he separates it in a very easy to remember three-stage model. Those three stages are death, the neutral zone, and a new beginning. So as part of his philosophy, there's no death. I should say there is no change without some kind of death. So pure example or what, an example that um, everybody can relate to right now is we were asked to stay indoors. So what is the death in this case? It would be the death of our social contacts or the death of big uh, public gatherings. So we all have to grieve not being able to see our friends on a day-to-day basis or our close family members. So do you want to talk about strategic foresight broadly and how it applies? Uh, Yes. Funny enough, I've been doing strategic foresight work now since uh, 2011, where I was first introduced to it while I was doing my uh, Master's of Design in Strategic Foresight and Innovation at uh, OCAD. As I was looking at transition, I was trying to think, how do we deal with transitions? What could give us hope in a world where all of a sudden everything has changed. And then I innocently said to myself, how could I predict the future? Funny enough, I had spent a whole two years, a whole master's degree, finding out how we could make sense of the present to be able to determine the future. 
And I said, well, you already have the tools and you've used them in the past. The first time I used them in a corporate uh, measure was with Numeris. At that time, um, the House of Cards, the Netflix series had just won its first Emmy and more and more people were starting to stream video online and we were all trying to make sense of what was happening and what would be the impact to television in the future. So strategic foresight is basically a method to move from a prescribed feature or something that just happens to us, like this global pandemic, to one that is a preferred future. What would I like my life to be like in the future or my corporation's life in the future? So if you were a media organization right now, where would you start as a business? So the first thing is to basically start observing the world around you. And the way to do that is um, looking at trends. So in an academic setting, we define trends as behavior repeated over time. And I'd like to add an adjective to that. When we talk about behavior repeated over time, I'd like to say that it's observable behavior over time. So that you're not reading one article and then you have a knee-jerk reaction to it and you start building an entire strategy built on one single incident and not really a trend. So you look at those trends and you can use a variety of models to make sure that you're hitting trends in all kinds of verticals. So you want social trends, political trends, technology trends. And then you grab those all together and then you start piecing them together to build future scenarios. Now, when you look at the trends, what you want to look at is what's driving that trend. Basically, if we bring it back to behavior, is why are people behaving that way? If I bring it back to the example of the pandemic, people are self-isolating. It's to protect them and to protect society at large. That is the driving force. It's the virus behind it. What you want to then do is look at what the impact to uh, the particular organization or to yourself might be. And I've been talking to a lot of clients of Stats Radio right now and listening to what the impact uh, to their organizations are. Now, we know that this um, that impact is uh, short-lived, or we hope that it is short-lived, but then that's where implications come in. Implications are long-term impacts to the organization. So you might be looking at a year, two years, five years, six years. So what happens if that behavior continues? What happens if the amplitude of that behavior increases or starts decreasing? And then how do I mitigate the risk or turn it into opportunities so that my business can continue to thrive and hopefully grow? So what would be a tangible example of using strategic foresight in, let's say, for example, a radio or television environment? So if I go back to that example um, at Numeris, looking at the impact of streaming video on the television industry, what we started realizing was that if more and more people adopt video and if a lot of broadcasters start streaming their television shows online, then what is the impact on audience measurement? And then a simple answer to that would be cross-platform measurement. So we know that television and digital still to this day are measured very, very differently. So what we needed was a cross-platform audience measurement system so that we could start making sense of the entire video landscape 
and stop bridging the two ones together. What we were noticing were people were uh, started to add numbers together, but those numbers were derived from very, very different research uh, methods. Another example that we've used, which was not in media, and that's the great thing about strategic foresight, is that it can be applied to any industry. The technique always remains the same. We were looking at the future of finance and more specifically on uh, consumer to business payment methods. So three years prior to the introduction of um, cell phone payment, we had started looking at uh, technology that was be being introduced into the marketplace and how that would change uh, consumer behavior. Three years later, people were starting to pay in a variety of methods with their cell phones. At first, it was using loyalty points, but then it soon turned to cash. And today, nobody even blinks when people uh, whip out a phone and pay for their coffee or their clothes or their groceries using Apple or the uh, Google Pay. So with nobody certain about how long this disruption will continue how does one build a strategy that's adaptable to change so the next step in the strategic foresight exercise is moving from trends to scenarios so once you've got a great trend deck that covers a whole bunch of different uh, behaviors in the marketplace or in the environment around you you can start using different methods to build scenarios and you wouldn't build one specific scenario. You're encouraged to build a multitude of them to look at what's possible and plausible. So just like a quilt, you're weaving all of these trends together to start um, building pictures of what might happen in a specific horizon line, whether that be a year, two years, five years. So in the case of what we're living right now, is we are living a major transition right now where uh, the majority of people are working from home, uh, they're uh, social distancing, they're self-isolating. That has an impact on business and has radically changed how people conduct business. So you could conduct a set of scenarios in a one-year time frame. So let's say people uh, are mandated to work from home for one year from now, or people in your industry are mandated to work from home for the next 12 months. So you would say, okay, in 12 months from now, if this continues, then I might have to invest in additional software. I might have to invest in uh, ways. I was talking to a, a radio broadcaster here in Mississauga this morning, and they were actually sending equipment so people could do their shows from their home. So half of their programming slate was now being recorded by their artists inside of their own homes. So this might continue on. And then what you could do is create another set of scenarios for what if this stops and people come back to work. And there was a great newsletter that I read this morning that was talking about the future of work, talking about uh, maybe either shift works or going back to cubicle farms. So you would no longer have these long desks with shared working spaces. So what impact will that have when my crew or my team or my workforce comes back into the office after when it's safe to return to work? So Eric, is there any way to know or to test your strategy to determine if it can be successful in a number of different scenarios? So that's the great thing about having a slate of um, scenarios at your fingertips. Then you start building matrices and start building measurement tools 
so that you can actually, as the future unfolds, you can say, oh, I recognize this. I'm in scenario A, and therefore we need to take steps one, two, three, four. Or alternately, I'm in scenario B, or I'm in a combina combination of scenarios C and D. And then you look at all the steps that you need to take in regards to that specific scenario. Does this make sense? It, it totally makes sense. I, I want to talk more about opportunity for reinvention because for a long time now, there have been models, particularly when it comes to the business side of media, that have not been working. What are the opportunities for reset here? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that que uh, that question. So if we go back to William Bridges' uh, three-stage model, his three stages were death, the neutral zone, and a new beginning. So death is what was. It was the past. You have that whole grieving process. Then you're striving through a new beginning. And a new beginning is that preferred future state. So when you build those scenarios, for each scenario, you always want to look at where you want to be in that particular scenario. And your strategy is building those steps from where you are now to that preferred future state. This brings us back to the neutral zone, that middle phase in William Bridges' three-stage model. The neutral zone is that in-between zone. It's a highly, highly creative and innovative one, provided that you've gone through the entire grieving process. Because what happens with depression or with grief in the death zone is that it kills all create creativity. That's where mental health uh, plays a big, big role and supporting really, really supporting your team uh, in that time of grief so that they can then move to the neutral zone and start planning. So this is where you would start addressing everything that's presently not working within your organization. And then when you're looking at that preferred future state where you want to be in the future, it could be part of your strategy to start addressing those and then innovating them or changing them so that things are more beneficial in the end. So where would a company start? The first thing to do, A, is to help the entire team deal with the situation at hand so that they are basically um, mindful and um, as best as they can in a proper uh, mental space. And then from there is to start building those trends and to start talking about the preferred future. So there's one thing that's very, very different right now that is happening right now that is different than a traditional strategic foresight exercise. Policies, uh, policymakers, public officials, people in organizations are very, they're reacting. It's very, very tactical in nature. They're not thinking about the long-term effects about the decisions they are making right now, but they have to be. In order to protect us, they have to be in the zone. So what's asked right now is that people have to have opposable minds. They have to be able to see both the tree and the forest. So they have to think uh, tactical, but they also have to think long-term strategy. Ways to do that, it can feel overwhelming, and it's something that not for most people. Uh, some people it comes naturally, for most it doesn't. They're either, they either see the forest or they see the tree you can start breaking down the exercise. So I find when I'm doing a creative or um, a very creative or an innovation workshop, people get really, really excited about the future because it gives them hope naturally. 
So you could start thinking, okay, how do we recover and where do we want to be in five years? To be have people in that space will start generating ideas. The ideas might not flow that well to begin with, but they will start and they will come. And the more people talk, they will get really, really excited. Once you have that, then you can invite them to start looking at trends, to look at the environment, what's happening around them in the present moment. The more people you have a part of this, the more people take ownership of what's happening. And that's the great thing. And they start being really, really excited about. Now, I do understand that people are resource deficient and time deficient, except especially for those um, organizations who unfortunately had to downsize as a reaction uh, to this pandemic. It can be done very, very, very simply and uh, within a matter of hours. So you can either have somebody that's solely responsible for picking up trends or you can divvy it up with the, the resources that you have at hand. To summarize, there are two ways to start. So you can either start with the future. So looking um, at one year, two years, three years, where you want to be, or you can start in the present moment and really start defining and looking at and understanding what's happening right now and what the impact to your organizations will be right now in two months, in six months, and in a year, which is what most people, when they talk about strategy within a corporation, do right now. So this isn't it's not foreign knowledge or foreign behavior. You're not asking them to do something different. To ask them to imagine the future in five years, that's a more creative endeavor. Are there some good resources out there? Some great resources include the one by the European Political Strategy Center. Um, Angela Wickinson wrote the Strategic Foresight Primer, and that's an excellent PDF that's available for free online. I also encourage everybody to read The Art of the Long View by Peter Schwartz a great, great book on um, thinking about the future. And also there's the book called Thinking About the Future by Peter Bishop and Andy Hines. That one was recommended to me while I was doing my master's. It's an excellent, excellent workbook that will um, help you uh, become a futurist or to think like a futurist. There's also the um, Government of Canada, the uh, Policy Horizons Canada. Their website is a great, great resource to uh, help you think about the future as well. I think that's a great start for everyone. Is there any note you want to close on? Yes, I would like to, first of all, thank all the people that are on the front line right now. I know these are really, really difficult times. I hope everybody that's listening right now is healthy and in a safe place. For those of us that unfortunately have been stricken with this virus, I hope that you recover soon. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. I really, really appreciate your support. Eric Blay is the Director of Client Success at Stats Radio. If you'd like to read more about strategic foresight, I'd encourage you to check out his latest column, and his back columns in our features section at broadcastdialogue.com. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Teeson. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.